what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan. Across from me on our table here in our new Mesh studio is Chris. Chris, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. I really like all the disco lights. and like, It's pretty nice. It's, it's pretty cool. It's a nice I change. never expected leopard print, leopard print decorations for our new studio, but I mean, it works. It actually right. complements the studio really nicely. So we are recording in a brand new studio room. It is the uh, first time we've actually got an episode recording of any of the shows on the Mesh Network. So we're really breaking in the new studio. Is that right? Yes. It's it very, is. very cool. I'm a little, I'm, I'm still trying to feel it out a little bit. I'm still trying to get used to it. It's uh, it's a little, it's a little different. A little so. different, but nice. I like it. It's definitely got a good feel to it. So we encourage you, if you happen to be in the Hickory area, want to drop by, visit the Mesh Studio, just let us know. We'd be happy to host you. Also, I'd be curious. I think, I, I feel like I can already tell a difference in just the sound. So I'd be mm-hmm. interested for any listeners like Russ and Lesnar, like, oh yeah, it sounds, you know, so much better or I eh, can't tell any difference at all. I'd, I'd be curious what our audience thinks as far as yeah. like, can they tell a difference? Because well, I feel like just sitting and, in here, I can. Yeah, send us some feedback and let us know. But let's get on the actual show here. Foot Candle Films is our film review and discussion show here on the TV. We put together at least uh, an episode or two a month as we go through and discuss some latest movie reviews movie news and always end up the show with our recommendation of the episode that's really just a a movie that we've either caught up with recently or we feel like people may have missed or maybe uh get a chance to go back and revisit if it's been a while since they've seen it so chris normally we try to squeeze into maybe three quick reviews and you know we've got a lot of movies to talk about really today it's just one review we're going to movie we're going to review it's the big blockbuster came out just a couple weeks ago uh, it's called Batman versus Superman colon Dawn of Justice. So we've got five, maybe six words in that title. <laughs> That's going to be our big movie to discuss and review today as we get into that. Then, as I said, we'll follow it up with a couple movie news items, finishing the show with our recommendation that each of us want to provide for the episode. So, Chris, are you ready to get started? Yes, let's do it. This review will be Alan v. Chris <laughs> Dawn of Film Review. Dawn of Film Criticism. That's right. (laughs) It just sounds more important right away than it does that. Absolutely. That's the name of our show, I think. So let's talk about Batman versus Superman. He has the power to wipe out the entire human race. And we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy. We have to take it as an absolute certainty. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. God versus man. Day versus night. You're psychotic. Chris, I kind of feel like a plot synopsis of Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice is kind of unnecessary at this point. Okay. The title pretty much says it. Batman fights Superman. <laughs> that is going to happen. <laughs> right. And I will say that this is a sequel of some weird sort to Man of Steel. Now, Man of Steel, the last Superman movie, you and I reviewed on the show. Yes. I did not like it. Yes. Pretty clearly. I believe you liked it. You didn't love it, but I think you found some pretty good things about it. You came out overall positive on it. 
Right. Is that? Am I recalling yeah, that correctly? Yeah, I, I was much more positive than you were, and I, I yeah, I, I was positive on it. I wasn't mm-hmm. like glowing, didn't think it was perfect, but I, I wasn't as down on it. Yeah, so. I came out pretty disappointed. Disappointed. It might have ranked as one of my biggest disappointments of the year when it came out. And I think you weren't alone. Um, a yeah. lot of people were kind of down on it. Very upset so. with it. Well, the interesting thing is, is it's almost like within months after Man of Steel came out. They announced this this film, Batman versus Superman, was going to be the next one. Zack Snyder again is the director, just like he was in, in Man of Steel. We've got a uh, Henry Cavill as Superman once again. Uh, we've got a couple of people returning: Amy Adams as Lois Lane, Diane Lane as Martha Kent, coming back from the previous movie. But they've added in some new cast members, obviously, to complement the Batman side of the film. You've got uh, Mr. Ben Affleck, my favorite, as Bruce Wayne <laughs> in Batman. We also added in Jesse Eisenberg as the main villain, Lex Luthor, and Jeremy Irons as Alfred. So, Chris, we're recording this on April Fool's Day. <laughs> so I'm going to make a it's statement, true. and you can decide, try to interpret, am I telling you an April Fool's prank or not? I actually had a really good time with this movie. Do you call that April Fool's or not? What do you think? Oh, wow. That's tough. Um, okay. You had a really good time with this movie. Yes, that is the words I used. I'm going to say that's an April Fool's joke. Actually, it's not. Okay. I actually enjoyed this movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going against what the critical outcry seems to be on this film. And then I think, Chris, I'll tell you before, I'm really anxious to hear your opinion, but I figured let me just go ahead and kind of set up my, my take on it here. Sure. I went into this movie with about the lowest possible expectations you could have. Okay. I don't like Ben Affleck, so him being Batman had You're pretty nothing brutal at all. Him and Argo, as nothing of interest to me. Have you ever liked him in anything? Uh, Chasing Amy. Are you bitter because he left Jennifer Garner? Maybe a little. Okay. No, Chasing Amy, the the, the Kevin Smith film. <laughs> sure. I thought he was pretty good in that. That was okay. the first time I actually noticed Ben Affleck in a sure. film. Um, but since then, it's just I just don't like the guy. Okay. But you know, Ben Affleck, not interested. Zack Snyder directing, not interested. Henry Cavill, Superman, eh, he was pretty boring in the last movie. Probably going to be boring again here. You know, so the whole thing is just like, ah, just, I just, there's nothing about this film that's interesting to me. Okay. But I went into it and I had a really good time. I got plenty of reasons to tell you why, but I want to hear your thoughts on the film in general before we get into specifics. I think you and I saw this movie about going into the theater on kind of the same wavelength. Okay. Um, I was probably originally upon hearing the premise, we discussed it as a news item after we reviewed Man of Steel. We just, not long after that, when the news released, we discussed this as a news item that this movie was going to be made. I was really excited about it. Um, however, you know, I saw a lot of critical reviews. It was like 27% on Rotten Tomatoes and mm-hmm. stuff. So I went into the theater kind of on the same wavelength that I was like, okay, this is going to be just a disaster. Yeah. It's going to be like after earth quality. This is just going to be really bad. Actually fantastic four. All right. That's, that's, I never saw, but I, and I, I did. I think I may bad. have talked about it briefly on the you show. Yes. Um, we talked about Josh Trank and all that stuff in the news items too. Um, that's kind of where I thought this was going. Okay. Um, now, unfortunately, <laughs> cause it would be much better discussion. I think I'm kind of on the same page. I think you may have liked it a little more than me, okay. but I don't think it's as bad as everybody's saying it is. I'm not saying it's it's not up there with the Christopher Nolan Batmans for me. Um, however, I do think it had a lot more interesting going on than like Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's, you know, it's a three star if we were giving out stars, maybe. Out of five? Out of five, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm probably three and a half. The know? thing, the things, what, let, 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 let me, let me talk about the positives first. Sure. Because then, you know, since we're trying to, then I can definitely throw out some negatives. Oh, I've got some <laughs> negatives as well. Absolutely. Um, positive for me and something that really, I guess I've seen the, I've seen the trailers a little bit, but I hadn't really, you know, Zapruder filmed them where I'd slowed them down and watched every frame and tried to really yeah. like get into it because I try to save a little bit of excitement for, you know, the theater something that really kind of knocked me back and I was distracted by it, but then I, I warmed up to it and I really liked it was Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Really? And here's why. And you have a smile. So I think that may be one of your (laughs) negatives. Here's the thing. And I haven't, I've heard a lot of critics come down on this film specifically because it's not a lot of fun and it's very dark. And, and at the same time, I think there may be a lot of comic book nerds that'd be like, Oh, they're changing things from the comic book. I kind of admire this film because I think they did. Zack Snyder, you know, I guess he's got momentum off like Watchmen and Man of Steel, even though mm-hmm. everybody didn't love it. He still has like momentum. He can kind of do what he wants. Lex Luthor, as portrayed by Jesse Eisenberg, is unlike any other Lex Luthor I have ever seen. True. And I admire that because it's kind of like, oh, is he going to be this kind of really wit, rich, bald, bulky guy? You know, kind of how he's always been portrayed before. And no, they basically made him kind of like, Mark Zuckerberg social network dude who's a little bit more deranged. Now, that being said, the thing that kind of threw me off at first was like, wait a second, Jesse Eisenberg's supposed to be Lex Luthor, not the Joker, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he, and you know, the Joker is coming down the pike for Suicide Squad, of which Ben Affleck's supposed to make a cameo in that movie. So they are going to be connected at some point, these bad yes. guys. So that's kind of my question is like hey i wonder and we don't know how jared leto's joker is going to be yet because he you know so i'm like if those two characters happen to be on the screen at the same time i would have a hard time differentiating probably yeah (laughs) because you know (laughs) other than one would be in makeup and the other guy wouldn't be because but i I, but that i still thought jesse eisenberg did a very interesting interpretation of lex Luthor. he made it his own it was definitely interesting. I, 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 my, liked here's, it. Here, I liked it. Here's my whole thing, and I'm skipping a little ahead to the dislikes. Sure, okay, I didn't have an okay. issue with the Lex Luthor portrayal. I like the fact that he's different than other Lex Luthers. I agree with that, and I think it was daring to have a completely different take on the character. However, I just feel like the whole, ooh, I'm a funny slash psychotic bad guy thing is just getting too done up. I think too many people have Jokeritis. You know, even look back to like Jim Carrey and the Riddler in uh, Batman Forever. It's this whole let's play over the top and let's be funny and let's say things loud, but then we can immediately be like psychotic, deranged. And I just felt like it was. I wanted a different Lex Luthor, but this was not the version I wanted. I I feel like we've already got a Joker. We've got some of these other off the wall. Lex Luthor is a genius. And granted, this guy's a genius too, but. How cool would it have been if they made a Lex Luthor that was like almost didn't talk? I mean, he was almost so smart and intelligent. He even didn't really have a this over the top personality. I think you could have gone different ways with it. You didn't have to go the like you said, Mark Zuckerberg on speed kind of that's your version of it. Well, so. and the thing was too when I was looking at the movie, I could talk all day about how much I really liked that performance of Lex right. Luthor and how different. I mean, we'll move on, but. The thing is, I was talking to some people after the screening, and they were saying, well, if you think about it, it makes sense. You know, Lex Luthor seems like a very, you know, 1950s, nice, you know, it's, it's kind of like a James Bond villain. He's kind of boring. 
you know, and what they've done, I felt like they tried to do was like, okay, it's 2016. Who would be somebody that's kind of isolated, that has a lot of money, that can kind of do whatever he wants, who's really smart? Okay, it's mm-hmm. like a social network, Mark Zuckerberg type, right. Facebook type thing. But of course, he's going to be a criminal, so you have to make him kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of admired the attempt at updating it. It okay. didn't. It didn't bother me. However, I, the immediate thing I did think about was, hmm, I wonder how this would contrast with the Joker, other than the fact that Joker is wearing makeup. I just feel so, like too many characters are trying. They try to make too many villains and bad guys in these movies these days to be the Joker. Hmm. It's laugh, 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 funny, funny, funny. Where the villain is actually more of the funnier character and more charismatic right. character than the hero. And I just feel like, you know, they could have done something a little different here. And they went so polar opposite of what we've been used to. It almost erred on the favor of going too far that other direction, I thought. So well, let's get back to the like. So you've talked about Jesse well, Eisenberg. Okay. You like that. Yeah. Well, and something else that um, – and this kind of – the source material, which, you know, if you're going to be a comic book nerd, I do remember reading, you know, The Dark Knight and that kind of stuff. And one of the things that happens in there is a big battle between Batman and Superman. And this is kind of based on that whole idea, obviously, hence the title of the movie. And they do fight. I It didn't bother me kind of the darkness – and the heaviness of the movie. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people apparently kind of have a problem with that, but I think it makes, I mean, you know, it's a comic book movie, but if you're Mm going to have these two guys who are supposedly on the same side, but they're both fighting at one another, as much as you can kind of give credence to that and believe it, I felt like, and they updated things from the comic, but I felt like they kind of set it up. Well, Batman's Mm -hmm. this kind of guerrilla style. He goes one-on-one with the criminals. He is not afraid of hurting people. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, apparently some people said, oh, but he doesn't, you know, in the comic books, that's his big thing is he doesn't carry a gun. He doesn't shoot people. And in the movie, he doesn't carry one, but then he does shoot people with guns and stuff. Well, or over, he will take the gun from them. There's and then a shoot. dream sequence where he shoots people. Oh, man. I know. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Oh, man. But that's the only time he shoots people like with any kind of intent to murder, you know, and kill. I, I, f- I felt like to me. I felt like I could see why the two guys don't get along. And maybe it's because I had the history of having read the graphic well, novel. I think the premise was fine. Yeah, okay. I agree with you. I think the setup was great. I mean, I actually, actually, this made me kind of admire Man of Steel a little bit more. Okay. Why is because that? part of my biggest issue with Man of Steel is that last 30 minutes was just this giant destructive battle that just went on forever. And I felt like, you know, this is Superman. He's supposed to be taking a little more care and concern about the whole population of the city. Well, this movie actually addresses that. That makes it a point of the movie. The guy did just destroy half the city. And should we trust him or not? So I actually really kind of admired that. They almost took the criticism of the first movie and said, we're going to spin off and make a movie based off that criticism. And, and that kind of worked for me. And the opening, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, Bruce Wayne is seeing, it's mm-hmm. kind of like he, you're seeing his perspective of the of last the 20 minutes of which the Superman great. movie, which, yeah, I thought that was thought really, really well, done well and, That was exactly what they should have done with that. And it, and it worked for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it worked for me. Um, I guess for a lot of people, not so much. Yeah. But. I mean, it made me like Man of Steel a little bit to the point where I was actually kind of tempted to want to go back and watch some of Man of Steel. After seeing this one, I, something else, you know, bad guy wise, you had Lex Luthor yeah, and then there's a character introduced doomsday who I didn't know a lot about, mm-hmm. but I don't really feel like I needed to know a lot about him. And I actually admire the way I'm assuming he's not that big of a character in the comic. I mean, he's a character in the comic books, but 
I admire the way they kind of used him and then they disposed of him and that's kind of it. I kind of like the way it was kind of like... Well, he was a big heavy brought in at the end of the film to beat up the heroes. Right. And that was all he was there to do. But I felt like like it kind of worked. I didn't feel like it was... You know, some movies we've criticized before, um, Amazing Spider-Man 2 or whatever that movie was called, where they just keep throwing on the villains... And it kind of dilutes stuff, and it makes it really confusing. It, I, I thought that was a nice use, from what little I know of Doomsday, it was a nice use of that character. Well, I would even say so. on that, too, that actually it goes into a little bit more of my likes with the fight scenes. I was expecting another, like Man of Steel, where it was just, I got a headache just watching for mm-hmm. 20 minutes straight, this destruction and CG animation and all. Yeah, there's tons of CGI in this well, movie. Of course, sure. there has to be. But I thought the fight sequences worked. I mean, I didn't think they went on too long. I thought they were enjoyable. They weren't transformerish, where it's kind of hard. Yeah, no. You could follow them. You knew what was happening. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you throw in the big heavy at the end, and the guys have to go battle them. And it worked. I mean, it just, that whole part of it worked. I've heard so much criticism, people saying that the movie was convoluted and confusing. Uh, Let me say for the record, I didn't think so at all. I don't feel like it is. I do think there were some big plot holes that we'll talk about in the dislikes, but. Actually, from a, a confusion point, I actually ended up watching parts of The Dark Knight Rises hmm. later that evening because we were on vacation and it was on late at night and I was up. And I'm watching that movie. I'm like, my God, this is a confusing movie. I'm like, just so complex a plot. So any of the arguments about saying this plot was all over the place, way too confusing. No, compared to Christopher Nolan's third film, well, this one was so much simpler and easier and to follow. I tend to like confusing movies. Yeah. And because I feel like... And I kind of overlooked the plot holes a little bit, yeah. kind of like, and it's a lot of with, with Nolan, like some people thought there were plot holes all throughout Inception and there were, but to me, it's kind of like you're moving so fast through the movie and I'm enjoying the ride that I don't kind of notice where there may be loose threads hanging around, you know, right. or loose things that are holes for me to fall into. So for this, it moved fast enough that, yeah, I guess if you stop and think, but they give plot holes with a superhero movie. It's kind of yeah. like, yeah, stuff like that doesn't really exist. So. Well, let's talk about the big, the big, the big bat in the room, the big elephant in the room. Ben Affleck is Batman. Not a problem. I liked him. I did too. I actually think it's probably the favorite thing Ben Affleck's done from my perspective. Number one problem I have with Batman and it's not his fault and it's a construct of the story, which they carried over from the combo, mm-hmm. which makes sense if you think about it. I thought the bat armor looked dumb. The glowing um, eye, like, it, and I don't know what yeah. you could do because, yeah, I mean, it's armor and it's going to look chunky. And it it's is the look, way it is. I mean, when you're fighting looks, a giant, all-powerful alien, you got to do what you got to do. Right, and I understand. Yeah. So I understood that, but I was like, I don't know, something about it just that looked came straight dumb. from the Frank Miller or Dark Knight <laughs> and drawn yeah. on the page to me, I guess, and the kind of the yeah, yeah, it didn't look as fake. I, I don't know, something about the armor I felt like could have been. I don't know, actually, you know. This is it's really nitpicky, but I feel like if they would have been able to just say like somehow he reinforced his normal costume, mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. Yeah. like I don't, I don't know, but it just it I think they dumb. really wanted to cater that Frank Miller series, sure. Dark Knight Returns, and that's exactly how he looked on the page. Granted, maybe it didn't translate one hundred percent, but I was fine with it. Okay. I thought Ben Affleck was really good. I really liked this version of the Batman. I think it's a nice in between the Burton kind of a little campiness and a little over the top with the gadgets and all that. Hmm. It was a good balance between the Burton and the Nolan. Nolan was about as grounded as you can get a Batman to be. Burton was over the top. He's got a Batman branded CD player, you know, everything like that. <laughs> this to me was like right in the middle. It's like, yeah. yes, he's got a lot of gadgets and it's this cool under, underground layer for the Batcave, but he's, 
everything still had a practicality to it. Nothing was just over the top, you know, campy or anything. With sure. It. So to me, it was a perfect, like right in between the two types of Batman we've had in film in the last 20 years. And it just really fit right nicely. So I liked it. I liked Alfred being a little bit more of a partner working instead of a butler. I mean, he's I like did, fixing things. He's like a mechanic, which is true from the comics. And he I does liked have that Michael, background. you know, if we're going to compare and contract, I liked Jeremy Irons too. I thought yeah. he was a really good mm-hmm. Alfred. I always liked Michael Caine, but there's something about having a coworker as opposed to a caretaker. Yeah, that was and the difference. That, and I, this was a kind of refreshing thing. Like, okay, he's... They actually work together. They're, They're bored, like partners. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked that. I thought yeah. that was... It was a good update. All the Batman scenes I really enjoyed. I mean, to me, a call-out. And I do have to tell you a little bit of background of watching this movie, The Situation. So my family and I were on vacation. Okay. And we decided it was raining one day really bad. So the boys and I said, okay, fine. Let's go to the movies. So the three of us went. Got there. It was overcrowded. Oh. The, the movie sold out that we were going to go see. So we had to wait for almost 45 minutes for the next one. It was just a mess. The movie theater was not very good. The screens were crappy. And the oh, sound was yeah. bad. And we had to see the 3D version oh. because that was the only one available. Huh. The 3D version at this theater was about the dimmest, darkest movie I've ever seen on screen. So despite all this, you still oh, had a good experience. Exactly. Huh. But the thing is, is that um, so the scene that really stood out for me is the first time we see the Batman, he's basically infiltrated, I guess, a group, uh, some guys who were had girl kept young girl captives. Yes. Like police are going in, police stuff. are going in. And I don't know how it showed on a regular non 3d screen, but when they walk in and you see him kind of in the, up in corner. the roof corner, mm-hmm. I, me being an already watching this in extremely dark, I could barely make him out at all. But once I realized, Oh, there's a figure up there. That's him. It was just like a really cool moment. I don't know if it was quite as well done, you know, Seeing it on a normal projection with good when he dropped optics. down, did he yeah. come out of the screen like a little bit? The three D wasn't really that good in the movie, okay. so it was very disappointing to have to pay extra to see it. Sure, that way, but um, I just I think the fight scenes with Batman, I think the Ben Affleck did a pretty good job acting. I like the fact that Bruce Wayne actually had this kind of cocky attitude to him a little bit, and you know, and a little more playboyish than we sure. saw Christopher Bale be with the last ones. I, I liked it. I really did like it. I'm actually somewhat interested and excited in seeing a Ben Affleck Batman movie, especially since the rumors are he's writing the script and possibly directing it. Okay. I have no problem with Ben Affleck as a director. I liked Argo. I liked, um, what was another one he did? Gone Baby Gone. Mm-hmm. The City or The Town. The Town. I liked all those. I thought he did a really good job with the grittiness of You just don't like him streets. as an actor until now. Until now. So I'm like, perfect. Ben, go make your Batman movie, cast yourself. I'm all for it. Make it happen. So, okay. I mean, for me, that's the big likes of the movie. I thought the movie was fun. I thought, um, yeah, it was dark, but I knew that going into it. Sure. I mean, Superman if you think about it, still, to me, it makes sense. If it's a movie where your two major guys that you pull for are going to be fighting each other, then it's not a happy thing. Of course, yeah. it's going to be kind of darker and like. Superman's still dull, but I mean. That's kind of. I've always felt like Superman way. was dull. Yeah, you know, he was never one of my. He just favorites. really had no personality, and that's <laughs> you know, kind of would have liked to see a little more smiling, like when he actually was doing something good, mm. saving people, taking a little bit more enjoyment in what he was doing. But he really just seemed like it was a chore. Like everything he was doing as Superman was just ah, got to go punch in and save these people again, and hmm. it was it was a little, a little disappointing there. Okay. I will also say one more like, and it's no spoiler here because she's in all the previews and everybody knows she's oh, in it. Yeah. Wonder Woman shows up. Okay. 
The reason why she's there, ridiculous. Completely tacked on, studio interference. There's no reason for her to be in this movie. But I thought she was pretty cool. <laughs> she was. <laughs> so I liked her. So I've actually got faith in whatever they're going to do with the Wonder Woman movie now. Because I like Gal, Gal Gadot, the actress, and I thought the way she carried her was really interesting. Again, why did she have to be in this film other than obviously they're setting up another film series? It just you it could you could tell how tacked on her character was even at the end of the movie. So Okay. So now we're gonna kind of open the floodgate to the negatives. Yes. Okay. okay. Starting off with Wonder Woman. Yep. I liked her as well. I thought she was good. However, I feel like one of my overarching problems with this movie can be summed up with they're trying to do too much. Yes. And trying to play catch up to Marvel. I completely agree. I've got now, that as my number one dislike. I understand that. They want to make money. Yep. Everybody has said like, oh, the Batman movies were okay, but nobody liked the Superman movie. And they're kind of, you know, oh, all we like are the Avenger movies. That's all we're really interested in. You know, so they're like, okay, well, we have our version of the Avengers. Let's hurry up and make it happen. I feel like they're just, they're too much of in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And because I feel like I would have appreciated and they're going to do a Wonder Woman movie, but I would have appreciated if they would have actually used the Avengers. Why not copy that model mm. to the letter? Okay, Iron Man had a movie, Hulk had a movie, Captain America had a movie. Now let's make it. Now Avengers let's get them all together. Like, I wish Wonder Woman, she could mm. have maybe had a cameo in this, but then have her have her own movie. Yeah. Before going into a Justice League movie. And I just, and then <laughs> um, Lex Luthor is really smart. He's been tracking these people, these heroes. Mm-hmm. So he you know, has kind of files on him. And then how they set up the Justice League, that was miserable. Oh, and he, so I won't, you know, so just horrible. because there's some comic book people Here's that are probably haven't do. seen it. Yeah. The fact that they revealed three new characters and they kind of show, and he was just like, it was so irritating oh, to me. You, you could tell it was so completely tacked on. Yeah. Studio interference says, oh, no, nope, we got to introduce these characters. And they're thinking, okay, well, where in the plot can we do it? Well, there's nowhere in the plot to do it. Well, let's just make this arbitrary, random, out-of-nowhere scene that's going to introduce these characters. And it really was clunky and dumb. I agree. You know, they could have teased that Lex Luthor has been compiling information on other people in the world with powers. They could have just teased at that. And if they wanted to do something after the credits was over and saying, oh, you know, and now they're starting to build some energy towards that. But the scene dropped right in the middle of the movie that just... There dumb. again, kind of, yeah, it's like they wanted to do the Marvel thing of having a scene after the credits, which they didn't do, but mm. so like, oh, we're going to be original. We're just going to plop it in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was really clunky, I agree. Um, and then on that same note, I'm okay. sure you're going to talk about the, the dream nightmare sequence. Sequences. Sequences, which I think because those were also completely trying to build a world. Bad. But I actually think the dream sequences were so poorly done I mean, everybody watching the movie thought, "What is what, what's happening? What's Did going we on? just jump into another movie?" Yeah, it's like it's so confusing, so weird. Yeah, later on we find out he's dreaming, but then it's like it just causes just more dumb. questions in your head. It just did not well, make any sense. Let me. And there are two sequences that I, I think there were there are two. There's a Wayne graveyard tomb sequence that's pretty short. He's in there. He sees some stuff. He's looking at his parents' gravestone, and like oh, some right, ooze right. comes out. Okay. And that happens. And then there's one that you're referring to, which is like... Um, out in a desert, in a post-apocalyptic yeah, version of the city. Yeah. 
That one really didn't work. Oh, no, because it, it, there was no transition to it. Right. And all of a sudden, it's like Batman's out in the desert shooting people. Superman's a bad guy, like a, a, kind of with people worshiping him. I'm like, what is happening right now? And then something even, and my son actually leaned over, at the conclusion of that kind of dream <laughs> sequence, there's something there's thrown in. He, yes, where he like wakes up and has this kind of. Well, it's the um, flash comes to visit him. I'll go ahead and say that. I'm, I'm saying, I'm not going to say what happens with it, but it is the flash, which I had to find out later. I didn't even realize that when I'm watching it. I didn't either. And, and I found just, out later. Yeah. That, yeah. It was and so I, weird. And yeah, they're just, and they're setting up things that could happen in future movies, but just take your time. Yes. Don't exactly. worry about that. And actually the resolution of the movie and what happens to one of the major characters is also pulling another storyline in from DC comics that they just don't need to it's do. I agree with you. You're I, just trying. I mean, yeah. it, I guess maybe they figured we're going to give the comic book nerds so much to chew on. They're going to be so excited that all this stuff's in here. They're going to just love the hell out of this movie. Now, I liked it. Yeah. But I became frustrated that they were just piling on. Well, and I'll tell you the the end yeah. scenes, which again, not spoiling. Sure. I didn't think were very deserved because... Because we go from Man of Steel to this movie. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think there was enough learning and accepting of a certain character to warrant what happened at the end. Agreed. So it needed another film in between these two. Absolutely. They needed to take your time. Where Superman could be a hero Mm -hmm. and be a hero for a while. Right. And then by this movie, I think the fight and the outcomes are definitely more justified. I agree. And I think what's weird... Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I, how did you feel something else that accentuated parts of the movie that really annoyed me? How did you feel about the music? Um, you know, I've heard other people complain about the music. I didn't notice the music as being <sighs> bad. I thought it was fine. I thought it was way too on the nose really? and heavy and just really irritating and distracted me. But that you said yeah, you didn't notice no, it. was it. fine. I'm actually kind of interested in seeing the movie again in a real theater Instead of the experience I had with it, because <laughs> honestly, it like all I can remember the movie is it was like all shades of gray. It mm. was dark and dim and not a great experience watching it. But I still had a good time. My, I will tell you this, because I do think it's important to, to know that, of course, you and I are we we are film critics to some degree. We have a film society. We tend to be a little more analytical about the films we look at. But we're also surrounded by kids who are watching oh. these movies. My two boys, my 14-year-old leans over to me halfway through the movie, whispers is like, I'm loving this movie. I'm like, I actually kind of been liking it too. So we're okay with this. Yeah. The, so, my kids, you know, they both liked it. Yeah. Didn't see any, didn't, didn't think it was confusing. No. They both liked it. So really let's just like keep that in mind again. that, you know. Yeah. Hey, there's a lot of other age groups out there, and the kids are loving it from what I can tell right now. So, I'll um, say this. I'll say one other – like overall, I am positive on the movie. You know, I can pick out things that really bothered me. I felt like they were trying to do too much. And I bought it. Maybe some people don't, but I bought it. Because how are you going to stop a fight between Superman and Batman? Mm-hmm. And how that actually happens, I felt like was pretty – it was like – to me, it was like a light bulb that went off. And I had never put together – what True. caused that to happen again? And for that to happen, and I read comics and I'd read the, what this was, the material this was based on. And there again, they change it, which mm-hmm. to me, I was like, congratulations. You don't feel like you have to pay 100% homage to something. You're going out, you're making your own movie, regardless of the source material. You use it, but then you kind of go your own route. 
the way their fight stopped, I thought was actually like, huh, interesting. The, I, the, the, the reason for Could the fight stopping. Could it have been done stopping, better? Maybe. The reason but, for the fight stopping, I got. One of the characters' pretty quick flip of attitude, I thought was a little clunky. It's like, okay, really? The whole movie you've been leading up to this moment. I agree. And now after mm. one verbal exchange... We're all we're all good now. It was maybe a little rushed. Yeah, but I, I liked I liked, I liked how it was being the, set up. I yeah, agree with I you. liked how and it was had been setup. being set up throughout the film, yeah. and you don't really pay attention. And you're like, huh? <laughs> no, it was, I, I just, thought it was nice. It's something that had never occurred to me. Yeah, and it was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then yeah. my kids actually asked me, "Wait, is that true?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think it is." And yeah. I'd never really thought about that before. Yep, it's so, very true. Yeah. I uh. Overall, yeah, I'm I'm positive on the film. I liked it. I um, actually wouldn't mind seeing it again at some point in a better uh, theater situation. Uh, my whole issue was just the studio interference. I felt like of forcing in too much into the movie at one time. That was my biggest issue. So so much yeah. so. Uh-huh. <laughs> this was and this was a fear that I had in the movie because of the setup of the Justice League movie where Wonder Woman had already watched some stuff and you kind of knew who three big players were going to be. There's a scene where. Lois Lane has gone under, is struggling underwater and she's retrieving an item and it's a big important item to kind of bring around and use to deliver to the heroes. And for no reason, I was like, I think one of the major players in the movie down the road is going to show up and rescue her from the water. I mean, let's, I'll just say, I thought Aquaman was going to show up. Okay. Right. And I was like, if they do that, I, I have to write this movie off. Yeah. And it really, it for some much. reason, the way it was had, I'm like, I really think they're going to do that. I really think he's just going to like pop up and be like, here you go, Lewis. Like, no, <laughs> I don't think they had any intention for those other characters to be a part of the plot. And I think, I think they honestly got forced in as scenes that just had to be crammed forcibly into the plot. that made no sense to be there. And, and uh, since that had been done, I was concerned that yeah, they were then going to have him show sure. up a little bit, but they didn't, which is yeah. good. So they showed, a tiny bit of restraint. <laughs> tiny bit. Tiny bit. That my big. That was my biggest issue of the film. And that, and I, I, I didn't. I wasn't digging Lex Luthor, uh, the portrayal there. Um, so yeah, that's that's a major point of difference. Then, yeah, definitely did. a big point of difference there. Okay. But overall, yeah, I had a really good time with it. So you know, don't don't necessarily feel like you got to listen to whatever Rotten Tomatoes percentage is or certain critics. Yeah, I mean, there are some problems with the film. Uh, there's some a lot of holes to poke at it. There are some concerns about trying to do too much and cram in too much world building into a one film. However, if you go in with really low expectations and kind of just turn your brain off a little bit and have a good time with it, it's a very fun movie. And I do think we've got a good Batman character now that we can follow in some future movies that I would look forward to seeing again. I will um, say, yeah. I'm not. we won't go into detail because we don't want to spoil things for people who want to be semi-confused by the flashbacks. <laughs> Um, after going online and reading a little bit about what those flashbacks probably are hinting at, it makes me excited for what could be coming down the pipeline if they do follow through yeah. on that because it's some pretty cool convoluted type stuff that I think I'll really like. No, so. I think the world, the world they're building is interesting. It's just it was this is just this movie did a really really clunky job of doing it. That was that was kind of it. So that is Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. I'm surprised i really did not think either of us were going to like this film coming into it and going to find out we both think it was pretty good so uh there you go 
<laughs> Miracles and surprises do happen even on April Fool's Day here <laughs> at the go. Mesh. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a couple news items on some movie uh, movie happenings going on, and then we'll end up the show with a recommendation of something we think you ought to check out. So, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Foot Candle Films. I'm with the band on the Mesh TV. Features regional music acts discussing their craft and live performances. Subscribe to I'm With The Band on the Mesh.tv and swim around in the heads of your favorite regional musicians. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv in our new studio, Breaking It In. I'm starting to get a little more comfortable now after we're done with one section of the show. Moving on to the second one, I'm Alan and Chris is here by my side. Uh, we just reviewed Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Let's move on, though, to a couple movie news items or just some other movie happenings we wanted to chat about. Chris, you've got something for us to chew on here, don't you? I do, I do. Um, so, coming out of Sundance, after the whole uh, Oscars So White and all that stuff, um, we may have a solution for that in the coming year. They haven't announced a release date yet, but one of the big, biggest successes out of Sundance set mm-hmm. a sales record, mm-hmm. $17.5 million, mm. is a movie called Birth of a Nation. You I heard about that? I've heard now. of it, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's going to be basically telling the story of Nat Turner, a Revolutionary mm-hmm. War slave that then led an 1831 rebellion right. in Virginia. Uh, Nate Parker, who I'm not really familiar with. I think he's acted some, but this is definitely his ber- first big film. Um, so he's, you know, he's he's a newcomer. Um, and some people are even throwing around the whole best picture thing already, at least wow, a already. nominee for next year's Oscars. So it's pretty early, but still. It is pretty early. So I'll tell you, it got me confused when I heard about this film because, of course, Birth of the Nation is the old 19... 19- 10, 1915, one of the first 20, ones made, yeah, really old. I'm probably really off of my, my years yeah. there, but one of the most original, most uh, first motion pictures made, but it was also right. extremely racist yes. and extremely you know, just controversial. Yes. Um, so of course I hear now, I'm wondering if the name is actually, they're trying to correct this name's reputation society wise a little bit. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. No, I'm, I'm curious about it, and I heard a lot about it from Sundance as well. It's always good when you can hear like some really good breakout film coming out of that film festival that may even have some some big award implications later in the year. And I think he's he's the director of it, but he's also the main star. So he hmm. plays Nat. Is my understanding is that he also plays Nat Turner. So that's kind of cool that this is going to be one of his first big things, and it's kind of like a you know, a project of love that he's doing, you know, kind of like something he's always wanted to do. So, yes, that's really interesting. The birth of a nation. That was both a 1915 film, 1915, 1915 by DW Griffith. And that was the one that's just, yeah, it was really sad to watch from a, you know, the racial insensitivity to it. But now we've got the birth of a nation, exact same verbiage to the title. Now as a 2016 film about Nat Turner, uh, African American slave. So, Really cool. I think in a way it's like, let's let's change the reputation of this title. Mm-hmm. My hopes are is that people just don't get confused right. <laughs> when they hear about this film and they end up watching the old one and get really confused. I think I saw some stills too, I guess, after Sundance happened. And just kind of the, some of the shots looked interesting. It didn't look like it was going to, I don't know, it had kind of like a blue tint to it. And mm-hmm. it looked 
more like Mel Gibson's Payback than 12 Years a Slave. Mm. Like, I don't yeah. know, there's something about maybe I was excited. Maybe the filmmaking is going to be kind of a different style of period Could piece, be. maybe. So I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I'll, to do a little cross connection with Superman versus Batman. Okay. Army Hammer is also in the film. Really? Who was one who played the Winklevoss twins in the Social Network? Social Network. Who was with Mister? Jesse Eisenberg, who played Lex Luthor. So you see, I'm just got it connected there. there. So yeah, Army Hammer and Jackie Earl Haley are both in the film as well. Huh? Yeah, I didn't realize that. So that's cool. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That, that is cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah, we'll definitely have to keep an eye out for that. That that looks interesting. Very very interesting. Alan, Pardon? I want to ask you for yeah. the next little bit. I, sure. I want you to tell me about one of the highest grossing R-rated movies, apparently of all time. Hmm. Uh, it just recently came out. Superhero movie, but an R-rated superhero movie. Oh, I see where you're going. Deadpool. Yes. Tell me tell me a little bit. I, I have not seen it, but right. why, why do you think it's so successful? And uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I do. I mean, well, I'll put it this way. Sure. My understanding is Deadpool is a very popular character in comics right now. Okay. He's past my time. In other words, he, he's come about much sooner than I used to be following comic books. And the whole meta, breaking the fourth wall, talking to the audience thing, eh, I'm, I'm not a big fan. And really big in sarcasm, yeah. too. Like it, it, that's not my style of storytelling that I'm really interested in from a superhero standpoint. So the, it's like an R-rated mask? A little bit. It's 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 never that it's not reality based in a way. It's just he is constantly talking to the camera, hmm. constantly pausing shot scenes and like talking, explaining what's going on. Which okay, from a storytelling standpoint, it's kind of novel. But I think the problem I've had with the, with the film is that hey, it's just not my cup of tea. That's just plain and simple. It's okay. not my thing. It's sure. Not my bag. I understand that a lot of people probably are enjoying it just because they perceive it as different. We're so used to all these superheroes and everything so grand and all this, you know, big pomp and circumstance with these big heroes and everybody complains about it following kind of very similar formulas, which you have complained in voice as well. Sure. So here's a here's a superhero who's not a hero uh, that curses all the time, tells really vulgar jokes all the time, and gets really uh, ultra violent with his actions. Okay. When you describe that, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's good that did something different. But when you watch the movie, at the end of the day, it's still the same superhero movie just with as much profanity and sex jokes packed in as possible. Okay. So at the end of the day, it was like, really, that was it. That was like the whole plot was pretty paper thin, hit the same kind of beats that any other superhero movie would. So I was, I don't say I was disappointed because I didn't go in with any expectations. It was better than it probably deserved to be. I will Hmm. say that. Okay. But again, it was not my cup of tea. It's not the kind of film I really enjoy. Well, and Tell me this. Yeah. I saw the trailers and they annoyed me. Mm -hmm. And I saw some of the marketing of like him having a gun and angled kind of coming out of his crotch and all this kind of like just, you know, kind of crass humor. Oh, yeah. And I I remember saying to you at one point before we started recording, like, oh, what are we going to do next week? And oh, Deadpool's coming out. And I said, unless I hear that movie is amazing, I don't want to go see it because it just irritates me so bad. You having seen it, do you think there's enough there that I – because I'm not you know, just throwing out a bunch of profanity. I'm kind of like I want to see it because it's been so successful. And I, you know, I like to laugh. But go for, go for a couple bucks. Okay. You know, go pay for a couple bucks to go see it at the theater for second run stuff. But 
I don't think it's worth a full admission. There were two or three moments, kind of meta uh, reference moments that I thought were really clever and funny. I kind of laughed out loud with them. But the rest of the film was, I mean, you chuckle. Some things were said were funny. He's a funny character. I give Hmm. him that. Ryan Reynolds, I think, has a great role. I've heard a lot of people say he was born to play this role. He absolutely was. It's just after you get past the first 15 minutes and you just realize, okay, this is how this film is going to be for the next 60 more minutes. Hmm. Um, and you get to the end fight scene and the big action scene. And it's there again, hit the same beats any other superhero movie does. You're like, yeah, you know, you took an interesting premise, but then you kind of just at the end of the day still got it to what we were so used to seeing with other films. Well, tell so, me this. Yeah. Do you feel, I mean, obviously... They're going to make some type of sequel because oh, yeah. this movie made way too much money off of such a small budget. It had to, are they, do you think you may know, but do you think or, that they're going to make a Deadpool sequel or are they going to put him? So it'll be R rated again. Are they going to try to put him into other movies? Well, I think they'll do both. Really? I think they'll try but, to do a sequel of the R rated version. Cause now they're all this big kick movie studios are thinking that their superhero movies could be rated R now. Which is, unfortunately, the completely wrong approach to take this. I feel Just like because one movie works doesn't right. mean you can go and kind of apply this now to every other movie. There were even talks, and there still are talks, about the director's cut version of Batman versus Superman coming out and being rated R. Hmm. Which, to me, is like, why? You know, I, I just hate it for the kids because then it's going to be like, oh, I want to see that. Your parents like, well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because my 14-year-old wanted to go see Deadpool really bad because all of his friends had gone to see it, supposedly. Yeah. And I'm glad when I went and I came back and said, Alex, if I let you go see this movie, somebody's going to have to come take away my parent badge. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, if you want to go to the movies and somehow sneak your way in, that's on you. But I'm not going to like. It's going to be their version of like Revenge yeah. of the Nerds or Porky's. It's like, <laughs> exactly. he's going to see it, yeah. but you don't want to know. I don't want to be the it. one that's like endorsed <laughs> that's right. him seeing it. That's right. Um, okay. Yeah. My son, I think, was interested in Deadpool. Too, but see, like, but the thing is, if I was somebody making an X-Men movie and I'm worried about making sure we need get as big a block, box office as possible. I now know, ooh, let's get a couple of scenes with Deadpool in there and have him join the team. Automatic box office success, you know? Now, so how, how, does that, both how does that work? Because isn't there, you keep much better track of this than me. Because it's the same studio. Okay. Sony, or not Sony, uh, Fox owns all the X-Men. That includes Deadpool. So it doesn't run into the whole Marvel problem? Nope. Of so they Disney. could have had him cross over with the X-Men. Actually, in the movie, he visits the X-Men mansion and meets two of the X-Men. That actually kind of creates one of the funniest jokes in the movie is that um, he comments about how every time he goes to the X-Men mansion, he always sees the same two X-Men. He's like, I wonder where all the rest of them are. Or maybe it's our budget wasn't big enough to pay for anybody else, which is true. I mean, they didn't okay. have the budget to get James McAvoy or Fassbender into anything else. So they joke about that, which I thought was really funny. Okay. Um, but they're in the same universe, so they could totally say, hey, you know what, Deadpool, let's have you come in the next X-Men movie. And that'll increase our box office by another forty, fifty million. But as far you know? as we know, he's not in Apocalypse. I think Apocalypse was already made, made. before they realized Deadpool was going to be a raging success. Okay. So, yeah, huh. um, I would perfectly expect him to be woven into as many films as they wanted to now, because he's, because he this movie got to be so popular. Yeah. Okay, interesting. It's worth seeing just because, like you said, it's kind of the cultural film for a lot of people right now. I just I don't think it's as good as everybody's playing it up. Okay. I think people are trying to play it up as good because it's different, but at the end of the day, it's really not that different. It's a typical superhero movie with tons of profanity and sex jokes laid all across the top of it. So, is there is the okay? So that's one thing making it art. Is the violence also like 
really blood like Tarantino really bloody violence. Oh, it's pretty. No? It's pretty over the top. Okay. It's more. It's more cartoony than it is Tarantino oh, okay. violence, but it is still very heavy violence. Yeah. Okay. For instance, you wouldn't see somebody's head getting blown off. Um, maybe you would, but not quite as graphically as you would in a Tarantino film. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, it was it was definitely a hard rated R movie. Okay. No doubt about it. There's actually a scene between Wade, I think is the guy's name, who becomes Deadpool, okay. and his girlfriend early in the film, which is funny. It is one of the funnier moments. Again, there's two or three moments where I really thought it was really clever and funny, but it's a montage of them after they meet, um, deciding to, you know, take part in some some activities between the two of them. And it's a montage of that for several minutes, which right away, when that happened at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, yeah, my 14-year-old is definitely not seeing this. Um, okay. It had enough clever moments where I could say you ought to see it, okay. but I just wouldn't pay more than a couple, two or three bucks to do it. Hmm. Okay. Fair Good enough. enough. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, last but not least, Alan, it wasn't this past October. I think it was two Octobers ago where I recommended you check out online a short called Lights Out. Yep. You did. I did. And you liked it. Yeah. And thought it was pretty scary. It was. <laughs> so just this past week, I noticed that there was a trailer and it was called Lights Out. Wow. And it was written in the same font. And I was like, really? Hmm. And so not knowing, because I don't really go in for horror movies. So I was yeah. like, well, let me watch it. So I think it's definitely got to be the same people because it's the same premise of lights go off, light switches go off stuff happens Mm -hmm. (laughs) and people immediately want to turn the light switch back on, which, you know, the genius for me, and I think for you as well, it was a short, it was contained. It reaches a primal fear of, yeah, all kids, people don't like things in the dark. You think you see something in the dark, you turn the light Mm -hmm. back on. It's not there, but it worked and it worked really well, but it was a short. Yeah. It was like a minute and a half. Well, I'd be worried about it as a feature. Now, I'm looking up to see that the same guy who made the short film, David Sandberg, is also the director of the feature. There's okay. A, so that at least makes me feel a little bit better. At least at least it wasn't like, I mean, I guess either way, somebody took his idea. He's getting paid for it. He got to make a huge sure. movie. So good for him. I mean, if he if he... If he honestly had this short film idea and thought all along, man, I would love to make a feature-length version of this because there's enough story I could write to to support support it, then great. I think it could be really interesting to see. If it's a, wow, this short got really, really uh, popular, so let's turn it into (laughs) a feature film. Let's get the same guy to do it. That may be a little tough to pull off. It did work really well as a short. It worked really well as a short and with a final shot. That kind of That's what you're left with. It's kind of hard to pull off that kind of momentum and then a final grab you shot in a 90 minute or whatever feature length film. Yeah. You know, of course it's hard to tell from trailers. Yeah. But to me, it took kind of the uniqueness of the short and just turned it into a movie where there's, it's a typical bunches of jump scares and it just didn't, I was like, Oh man, now granted we'll have to wait and see when the movie comes out. And if we hear that it's one of the most original horror movies, I'll be like, okay, well I should check it out because I really like the short. So yeah, Okay. I thought that was interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm glad you brought that up. So could be interesting to watch for sure. All right. Well, are we ready to move on to our recommendations? Then? Yes. Uh, this has been part of the show where we always kind of tap, uh, tap out our episodes by both Chris and I talking about a film that either we've recently caught back up with or just remembered or something that we'd like to recommend a film that we like or we think you ought to see. And hopefully it's a film you can either rent or see online or find pretty, pretty easily with uh, today's digital digital world. 
Chris, I'm going to go first, okay. if that's okay with you. Sure. And uh, I am purposely bringing a film up that I know you do not like. Wow. Can, because, I, guess, can I try to guess what it is, just for yeah. fun? Mm-hmm. Is it a recent movie? Yes. Rio 2? Nope. <laughs> no, because no, you wouldn't like that. No, I did not. I, I would um, not like that. Hmm. I don't know. What is it? Um, so, uh, and you like this movie? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you're recommending I it. I don't love it, but I think it's worth seeing. I think it's gotten a bad rap. Okay. Um, I thought Joy was pretty good. Oh, man. See, there we go. That's the, that's the <laughs> response I was expecting. I, I like recent David O. Russell work. I like Silver Lines Playbook. Mm. I like American Hustle. I liked American um, Hustle. I love The Fighter. That was probably my favorite of his in recent years um, with Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg. So Joy is announced, and, you know, he seems to be kind of really gravitating to this whole Jennifer Lawrence thing. Right. And, you know, I saw the premise of it. It's, it's, uh, it talks about Joy, the main title character, who becomes founder and matriarch of a, of a powerful family business, one that gets popularized over kind of home shopping network type of TV. Uh, it's basically, she made the, the was the mop. mop. Yeah, yeah, some spin mop or yeah, something. Yeah, that is actually a real thing. This is it's, a true yeah, story. Absolutely. Um, but we've got the same David O. Russell character or people we've had in the last few films. We've got Robert De Niro. We've got Bradley Cooper in there. Jennifer Lawrence, I mean, yeah, this is pretty much her movie. This is like the first one where it's been a true solo starring role for her in a more dramatic movie. And that's not a Hunger, Hunger Games Hunger movie Games from what movie. I can tell. Right. I thought it was pretty good. Now, it wasn't great, but... I was watching it the whole time, and I just saw so many people piling onto it, critic-wise, and I know you. Like people are piling onto Batman versus Superman. Yeah, and I was watching the movie. I'm like, you know, this isn't that bad. No, it's my least favorite of the ones he's done in the last five or six films, but it's not that bad. Hmm. So, Chris, I'm more bringing this recommendation up to you because I want you to tell me why you really did not like this film. You know, it's been a while since I've seen it. I understand. I, I made the rush. And I'm bringing this on you. I know. I made the rush to see it before the Oscars because okay. she was nominated. And I'd heard, I was excited because it was David and Russell. And I'd heard people say it was bad, but I was like, I want, and people say it was a mess. Mm-hmm. And so I went into the theater already with low expectations. I wouldn't say the movie was horrible, but I didn't like it. And I thought just, I think story-wise and some predictability things that kind of happened that felt kind of shoehorned. And I, I, it, it just seemed like story-wise, it was, it was a mess. I thought mm. Jennifer Lawrence was fine. Bradley Cooper, as acting-wise, Bradley Cooper was fine. Robert De Niro was wasted. But something about the direction, maybe, and the story felt a little... I don't know. I would have to, I would have to re-watch it. But I... I I can't remember why exactly, but yeah, I felt like it was just a mess. Hmm. It was, it was a See, mess. See, I just didn't get that. I mean, it was sprawling and it was a long, I mean, to me, it was like a, a good fellow's light in that it's going to follow this character. Time periods and All stuff. through a long time period and a lot of ups and downs, a lot of characters mixed in and things are going to happen and there's going to be the rising moments and the falling moments. We had all that in this film. So it was very much that same kind of arc over a long period of time. Um, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. And there again, I'm reaching because it's been a while since I've seen the film. I felt like it was the instance where maybe they had a couple of endings and they kind of kept going and mm. they, they couldn't kind of focus it. They were telling her too much of the story instead yeah. of trying to focus in on maybe just the, I, I don't know. Like I felt like it kept going longer than it, mm. it should have. I'd have to see it again. But that's interesting that you came yeah. off with a positive. I, I, I mean, again, I, I, I it's not one of my favorites, you know, it's not going to be my top 10 or 20 of the year, but I mean, I, I just, 
I know with as much hatred as we're getting from a lot of critics and people really downing it, I just like I just don't understand why. Hmm. Um, I will say it was sprawling. That's the word I would use. And maybe for people who don't like movies that just kind of go all over the place and bring even a lot of subplots and characters. And then maybe that's just not their thing. But it worked for me. I liked it. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's my recommendation. Joy, a weird recommendation. I'm not saying you should run out and go see it. I'm just saying it's another one like Batman versus Superman. Don't just look at a score on Rotten Tomatoes and say, oh, well, obviously it's no good because whatever percentage people gave it a bad review. Eh, there's some there's some gems out there you still want to go check out. And I think I personally think Joy is worth a watch. Okay. So, yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Well, my recommendation for this month is going to be uh, the documentary Meet the Patels. Ah, you caught up with that. I huh? did. Okay. Yeah, it's it's out there on Amazon, iTunes. And I think it's also streaming now on Netflix, which mm-hmm. is how I happen to see it. And it's it's pretty simple. Uh, it's kind of follows Ravi Patel, who's an Indian American actor, mm-hmm. and the big deal is. He's about to turn 30, and his parents and extended family are like, dude, you need to be married because by 30, you're supposed to be married, and you need to find a traditional uh, wife in the Indian way, which they do this whole matchmaking and prearranged marriage, and they do this whole thing. And it's fascinating just to kind of learn about that tradition mm-hmm. and why they think it's important and how it apparently does work in a lot of instances. And just to see him being followed around. And what what's also interesting to me is the documentarian is his sister. So she is huh. the one manning the camera. Yeah. And that's how she gets all this ridiculous access is because – and they actually – they both live out in California, I believe, because mm-hmm. obviously he's an actor, so he would – but they actually – they neither one of them are married. She is nearing 30 as well. Right. So there's also some kind of like – you hear stuff being said to her every once in a while, like, yeah, well, what's up with you? Cause mm-hmm. you're not married either. So, and it, they're a really tight knit family. Obviously the brother and sister live together out in California. The mom and dad are really cool. And that you can tell they love each other as a family. They love spending time together. They mm-hmm. go on vacations together and it's really cool to get to be a part of their family, but yet in a tradition that's very different from anything I've ever been exposed to, you know, because yeah. they're from an Indian family. And it's, I thought it was really, really cool, really well done. So, I've been and it's not, to see it. Yeah. It's not overly slick either because mm-hmm. they even kind of sarcastically mention, I think she is starting to be a filmmaker, but right. some of the stuff is very, like half the times you see a boom mic in the shot. Right, and half sure. the, you know, it's it's, it's kind of rough, but it's charmingly so. Oh. You know, I'm not even sure I realized it was a documentary. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, something cool for people who I know, obviously, a lot of our listeners may not be in North Carolina, but the family, the mom and dad live in Charlotte. Oh, okay. So it's kind of Real a local side of North too. Carolina. Yeah. Nice. So Meet the Patels, I recommend it. So Meet the Patels and Joy, two, mm-hmm. two films we're recommending. Check out. Mainly for Joy. I just I want to hear if some other people are going to support me on this one. So <laughs> let me know if you see Joy and you think... It's getting a bad rap out there. I really want to hear from you guys. And same thing with Batman versus Superman. You know, both Chris and I were positive on it. Again, we seem to be fighting the trend of a lot of critics out there. But uh, tell us your thoughts on it as well. I think a lot of these films, you know, it, it all depends on the kind of mentality you go into the film with. Right. The expectations you build for yourself, the environment you're surrounded by when you see it. All those things, I think, play a big factor into how people enjoy a movie. So keep all that in mind, you know. And like I said, with Batman versus Superman, it was nice having two kids, one on each side. Sure. Digging the movie. That Keeps definitely helps, helps, sure. helps you keep positive on it as well. So, 
So with that, Chris, we're going to start to wrap up the show. But as I mentioned, if people did want to reach out to us, give any comments on the films we talked about, how, how would be the best ways for them to go about doing that? If you want to leave us a note or contact us, tell us you liked a review, hated a review, something like that, you can always email us at info at themesh.tv and just you know let us know what you think. You can also follow both Alan and I on Letterboxd, where we keep track of the diary of the film that we've been watching and sometimes write little short reviews. Also, uh, one thing to keep in mind is that we will be having a 2016 Foot Candle Film Festival here in Hickory, North Carolina, September 23rd through the 25th. If you are an aspiring filmmaker and would like to submit a film, please do so. Go to our website, footcandle.org. On there, you will see a button that you can hit, and it will take you to a film festival page on Film Freeway, which is the site we're using to get up submissions for our festival. So if you're interested in that, and your filmmaker, please do so. Otherwise, not a filmmaker, but want to attend the festival, just mark your calendars for the 23rd to the 25th of September. And we'll have like actual ticketing information and stuff like that once we get way closer to the festival. Yeah, I think we're probably looking more like July. Yeah. Starting to sell tickets somewhere sure. in that neighborhood. So just kind of keep your eye out for that as we get closer. But we'd love to have you visit us. We had a great crowd last year, and we're just looking forward to a really great, uh, great turnout and great selection of films to watch again this year. All right. So, Chris, we are going to wrap it up. Again, this has been Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Just as a reminder, you can go back and listen to old episodes and go back and check out other shows on The Mesh Network by visiting TheMesh.TV. That's where our home is, and you can find us there. And we uh, look forward to hearing from you and uh, uh, encourage you to check out past episodes. You know what's great is you find a film that you watch on Netflix one night, and uh, it's maybe one that's come out in the last few years. Go search our library and see if we did a review of it in the show. You can hear us talk about it for 15, 20 minutes and see if uh, you're on the same page with us or not with your opinion of the film. So with that, let's wrap it up. Thanks so much for listening to the show, and we'll look forward to talking to you next episode. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.